Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. For another episode of Believe in Kentucky, Aaron, man, we got a friend of the podcast that's, that's been on here with us before, but now we get to to double the fun, shall we say? We had Todd Lantron <laughs> before, and now we got the legacy because his father, Bo Lanter, who played for Kentucky as well, got both of them here with us this evening, man. This is gonna be a fun episode, fellas. Appreciate y'all hopping on here. And joining us this evening. Hey, thank you for having us. We appreciate you. Yeah, definitely, definitely appreciate it. Yeah, like I said before we started recording, this is the first time I think we've done this together. So this is this is a lot of fun. Oh man, that's look if if my dad had played UK with me, I'd I'd, I'd be you know a milk it. Because it's not a lot of father son combinations. You know, you, the two of you guys. Cameron and Terry Mills, are y'all the only father son? I think so. Somebody told me um, when, or I guess it was, it was, I think it was a, a beat writer for KSR um, when I got added to the roster. Told me that I was the eleventh. Uh, we were the eleventh duo, wow. um, which would make uh, Reed and you know and uh, mm-hmm. whoever his dad was. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, Jeff. Okay, Jeff, Jeff Kevin, yeah. yeah. Reed and Jeff would have been. Well, Darren's well. on there now. Darren. Um, oh. Yeah. No, that's true. There we um, go. I have a whole list right here. You got Ed and Buddy uh, Parker, James and Brown Sharp, Brett and Phil Johnson, uh, Jim and Preston LeMaster, uh, U2, obviously, Bo and Todd Leitner, Eddie and Sean Sutton, Joe and Joey Holland, Terry and Cameron Mills, who've been listed. Jeff and Reed Shepard coming up. Adolph and Heckery Rupp. Uh, John and Brad Calipari. So you're counting coaches and players in this, obviously. Okay. Uh, Wayne and Rex Chapman. Alan and Darren. I wish I could give that last name. Fieldhouse, thank you. And, uh, Anthony and Michaela Epps. So that's men and women. And then Tubby and Tall Smith. So a lot of, not necessarily a ton of playing combinations, but a little bit of both coaching, okay. playing, all that good stuff. Okay. Hey, but nobody combined for uh, less minutes with as many uh, points as we did. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I just made that up. Just he can speak for himself. The older I get, the better I was. I was I was all American as far as anybody remembers. <laughs> <laughs> so both seventy nine to eighty two. So right after the seventy eight title, you come in for Joe V. Actually, it's kind of frustrating because if you go back, Todd and I both got the UK the year after. Right. Yep. 
we both were on teams that were probably ranked number one, you know, 60 or 70 percent of the time, especially in his situation. And both of us should have gotten at least one ring and and maybe two, and neither one of us got one. That's great. So you guys both were a year away from a national championship. You guys both transferred in, right? Yes. That's crazy. How about that? Abraham, obviously 2012 for me. Um, all three of my seasons, we were preseason number one. Um, you know, obviously the 2013 team turned out to be a bit of a dumpster fire after New Orleans got hurt, uh, ended up with a first round loss in the NIT. Right. Um, ironically, most people don't realize this, but the second year, my second year, um, we actually had the same amount of losses as we did in the first round exit in the NIT year. So we had 11 losses in 13 and 11 losses in 14. The difference was obviously during the schedule, we ended up that 11th loss was against UConn in the national title game. Um, and then obviously everybody remembers the 2015 team when we were uh, almost undefeated. Um, so we had a bit of a, a dynamic um, experience to say the least. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, Bo, coming out of Woodford County, what was what was the recruiting process like for you? Because you, oh, well, I was really in kind of a weird situation. You go back. I graduated from Woodford County in '77, and I think my first game I had like 42, and then 32, and something. I don't I don't remember, but that was a winter, winter we had the big snow. We had like 28 inches of snow on the ground. And, you know, back in those days, if you didn't have your name in the paper. You know, people really didn't know you that well. And quite frankly, the only big school after me was uh, Tennessee, Don DeVoe at Tennessee, and I did not want to go to Tennessee. And a man called me up and flew me down to Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls, Texas. Mm. And uh, I went down there, and to my recollection, it was legal because that's what I did. I assume it was legal. I stepped off a plane and uh, stepped on the floor and played with them, with the team. And I think in NAIA uh, at that point that you were you were able to play with the team. We're in the recruiting process now. You can't. And uh, I had I walked off, and they said, you know, anything you want, full ride. And so I went. It was tough. I was you know 17 hours away, no cell phones back in those days. Engaged. Um, I was engaged to a girl from Wichita, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know my family here, and nobody thought I would do it. And, and quite frankly, it was very difficult. But I'm really glad I did it. I had a really good year there, and. I actually met with Coach Hall before he went to the uh, St. Louis for the 78 championship team. And basically the deal was he advised me not to come back. He said we probably had the best guards we've ever had with uh, Macy and uh, Shiler. And then you had uh, Dirk Minifield and Dwight Anderson coming in. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, here's what I'll do. He said, "You, if you come back, you pay for your way to school the first year when you're ineligible. And the coaches had to unanimously vote to keep you on to keep you on scholarship for the next three years, and so that's what I did. And after my the year I was ineligible, they called me in, and I had a full ride from then on. And I was, I'm glad I did it. You know, you can be the big fish in the in the small pond, or the small fish in the big pond. But I can look back and say I got the most out of what I out of what I had. Yeah, I'd like to play more. And a lot of times you think you should, and of course your family and friends are telling you that you should be playing more, but. It's, it's a difficult process. You know, there's a lot of superstars, especially someplace like Kentucky. And I can honestly say I got the most out of the talent that I had, and I'm thrilled to death I came back. So that's that's been the case for generations. Like yourself, in-state kid, uh, you know, recently, you know, with the Dante Allens and, you know, the you should be playing more. Why aren't you playing more? You're the Richie Farmers, that that's always been a thing to deal with, hasn't it? 
Well, yes, it's not, but it's not only the local guys. Quite frankly, you know, even the teams Todd was on and this year's teams, you've got guys that you got to realize, and this is what a lot of the fans don't stop and think about. All these guys are superstars, and all of them feel like they should be playing, or at least are being told by their their friends and family that they should be playing and things aren't right or whatever. And, and quite frankly, that's not the case. You got, you know, regardless of what coach it is, uh, whether it's coach Cal or the, or my girls coaches that played soccer, you know, their, their livelihood is based off of 18, 19, 20 year old boys or girls. And it's, it's a difficult process. And uh, somebody could, could be an extremely good player in their position, but may not quite gel as well with somebody else playing in the same position does something else well that other people might not even realize they do. And so it's hard to do. It's a, it's a, it's a game. It's a, it's a puzzle you got to put together. And I think this year's team's a great example. You know, the last two or three games, they've, they've had to, they've had to match up some pieces of the puzzle that they weren't doing before. And it's something seems to be working. So they now they got to figure out what's working. And Aaron, man, don't let me just. No, nah, you're good. Time, man. And it's no better place to, start the figuring out process of that puzzle than Saturday in Knoxville. You didn't even want to go when DeVoe called <laughs> you. They've got an improbable win in most people's minds in Knoxville against the top five Tennessee and no better place to kind of build a foundation of whatever they're going to be this season than against the Vols. Right. Go ahead, Todd. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to try to put this as bluntly as I can. Um, Tennessee is a better team. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, they're built better. They're well coached. Uh, they helped us a lot on Saturday. They missed at least six, maybe seven gimme layups. Um, they shot terribly from the field. They didn't fight for rebounds. Uh, they overlooked us. And we came in there and we snuck one. And I don't say that to deter – the way we should feel about that win. That was a signature win. It was, it's, it's what we needed at the time, but don't let it be a band-aid. And what I mean by that is if we go away from that win, if we walk out of that, that arena thinking, you know, we figured it out, we're good. We're going to get punched in the mouth. Georgia is not very good. Think about the difference that we would have felt as a fan base. If we had gotten beat by 13, which was, you know, it was 13 and a half point spread in Knoxville. If we'd gotten beat by 13, when he came home, we'd have beat Georgia by three, which I think we were favored by three. People would have still been saying that this team is terrible. They wouldn't have thought, you know, we have an entirely different mood about ourselves, an entirely different ambiance around the program after stealing that win in Knoxville. And that's what it was. And it's it, it wasn't, you know, we played well and we fought hard. And it's the first time all season that we've been the aggressor. I don't want to take yeah. anything away from that. It's the first time all year where we've gotten punched in the mouth at the beginning of the game. And we've come out and we fought and we did it as a unit. I mean, Cal, Cal spoke about it, um, you know, in the postgame presser. Guys fought. They, they had their, they were their brother's keeper. Most of the, most of yeah. the, uh, you know, most of the outings this season has been a lot of pointing fingers, a lot of blaming. Um, you know, the, the locker room wasn't cohesive. Um, for whatever reason that is, it, it doesn't matter what the reason is. It doesn't, they don't have to answer to us as a fan base either. They have to figure it out internally. Um, and I haven't been in that locker room every practice. I've got a little bit of an insight, you know, having played for Cal and seen the way he coaches and being close with all the staff members and a lot of this team. I've got a little bit of insight, but we're not in there every day. We don't know what guys are doing on the practice floor. We don't know the mood in the locker room. Um, you know, people 
armchair quarterbacks and, and media, you know, ourselves with, with podcasts and the radio show that I do and those kind of things, we, we like to step in and pretend that we know what's going on, but we don't, we're speculating just like everyone else. And it's up to them to figure it out. And what I don't want them to take away from Saturday is to think that we do have it figured out. Everything is an opportunity to progress, to get a little bit better, to prove that we're, you know, on the right trajectory come March, because ultimately that's what we care about. Nobody's going to look back and care about the South Carolina loss if it turns us into a March team. Um, my question mark still remains. Is this team capable of making a run in March? Um, I think we have to go at least, at least 10 and three the rest of the year to be eligible to play in this tournament, in my opinion. And that's going to include some wins that we're probably not going to be favored in unless we turn things around pretty quickly. So I say all that to say this, it's a, it's everything's a learning experience, every outing, every practice, every drill, if they can change their mindset and, and prove to us, I mean, they don't have to prove to us. I shouldn't even word it that way, but they have to prove to themselves that they do belong where they're at. They do belong in Kentucky. They do get to wear that across their chest and go out every day and showcase that continue to improve, continue to get better, continue to hold each other accountable, continue to be there for one another, be their brother's keeper like Kyle likes to preach, then this team has an unbelievably high ceiling. But if they continue to accept mediocrity and they continue to point the finger like they have the first half of this season, um, you know, not take every possession uh, as if it matters. I mean, it literally is going to be the difference between games. And don't get me wrong, when we play Tennessee in Rupp Arena later this season, they're not going to shoot the way they shot from the field. No. They're not going to shoot from the way they shot from the free throw line. They're not going to get uh, – we're, we're not going to get calls that we got there. And 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 I don't say – I'm not saying that it was biased one way or the other. I'm just saying the game is going to change on any given night on, on you know, the way that these guys are feeling, the way that they're playing, the way that the game's being called. They let a lot go on Saturday. Um, it, in this particular case, it worked to our advantage. It might not next time. So this team has to come together, work through adversity – and the biggest signature of Cal's era is that he eventually gets to a point where he passes the reins to the team and they become, you know, an extension of him. Somebody on the floor becomes an extension of him. Um, I think Severe has a lot of those capabilities. I think there's going to be times where it's going to have to be Kaysen. I think there's going to be times where it's going to have to be CJ. I think there's going to be times where it's going to have to be Oscar. Um, you know, fortunately, even though it's looked at as a negative right now, we've dealt with a lot of those hiccups already and how they respond is going to be, you know, ultimately how we remember this team. And quite frankly, how we remember Cal, I think he has the potential to make this one of his best coaching outings of his career. If he does what we expect him to do. Yeah. And obviously Todd, you've been around him. How bad do you think he wants to stick it to everyone this year? Oh. I mean, he's fueled by, he's always been fueled by that, but this year, the the signs, the, the, the chance it, it's been on a different level. It just has. Yeah, it's, it, you know, I haven't seen the uh, this this type of negativity in a long time. Um, it's Don't get me wrong, Kentucky fans, and I, I, I say this, you know, with a lot of love in my heart, are completely delusional. <laughs> completely delusional, right? Like, yeah, yes. Every year we make 40-0 t-shirts, and every year we look at one game and we're like, oh, there goes Christmas. And every year we say, well, next year the recruiting class is better and we're going to be fine. Like, you don't get to have the best of both worlds, right? Right. We have we, we recruit freshmen, highly touted freshmen, and we turn it over every year and we have to rebuild. And we don't like to call it rebuilding 
but that's what we're trying to do. We have a, such a steep learning curve here and we're asking Cal to do the impossible and it's not easy. His job is not easy. We had, in my opinion, the best college basketball team of all time, at least in the modern era. And we still weren't able to get it done. We, we almost did, but you're, you're, you literally have a target on your back being at Kentucky with Kentucky across your chest. And when you say he wants to stick it to him, he wants to prove to everybody, including himself, that he really is capable of turning a program and a team around. I mean, from as low as we could possibly be two weeks ago to, to hoisting that trophy. And that's what he challenges himself on. He's not going to run from that. That's not who he is at his core. I mean, we've seen that. We've, he's proven that to us. And the fact that we're, you know, we, we have a little bit of a hardship and we're sitting back questioning him, he's going to feed off that. And and I just can't wait to see what he does. He, you know, he, he accepts the responsibility that this job requires of him. And that involves a lot of scrutiny. It involves a lot of people sitting back looking at us under a microscope and accusing him of cheating and and, you know, maybe he's not the best X's and O's coach and maybe he's lost his edge with recruiting and everybody's going to speculate. He doesn't care. All he cares about is is bettering this team and preparing them for the next step in in their lives and in and their opportunity to, to do this for a profession. Um, he wants to win more than you do or that I do or that any of those fans in the arena do, because that's what his profession is. He's dedicated his entire life to this. He doesn't want to go out at Kentucky being remembered as, you know, the guy that let go of the rope and he won't. And, you know, we're, we're going to have to bear witness to it, whether it's a sour taste in your mouth or whether you're, you know, they're cheering them on with the confetti falling on you, but that's what he's after. Well, you also have to realize like if I can, my era when guys stayed, you know, four years and um, nowadays, you know, it, you're, you're all rebuilding every year and it is a lot of one and dones. And on top of that, now you got the transfer portal. So you got kids that are leaving from here and there. And so you're starting with a new a new team every year. And even if you got a couple of, of guys that are returning, they got to mix in with the new guys. And it's not easy. So it's that. And and when you go on the road, you can't emphasize enough Kentucky on your chest. It's like Alabama comes here to play football. We go berserk because <laughs> Alabama. It may be Alabama's down year, but Alabama's on the on the jersey. And that and that's what the fans want. And so yeah, we may have a bad game down in Tennessee that we ended up winning it and when they were favored. But their fans wanted us bad. They just haven't had a bad game. And, you know, Kentucky goes down and plays Ole Miss, they're, they're going to be the same way. But yet if Ole Miss plays Tennessee, they're not, they're not quite as loud. There's not quite as many people in there. There's not, they're not, you know, they're just not that atmosphere that, that Kentucky creates because of that, that history. And the history that everybody remembers has changed because of the game. Now you got the shot clock and you got the three pointers and you got one and done. You got the transport portal. And there's, I don't think you'll ever have that quote unquote dynasty like we used to have because everybody that comes in is a, it's a learning experience and it's going to take some time. We're not bringing back, you know, what the 78 team was what four seniors and Kyle Macy. And so back in 78. So, I mean, it's just, it's not the same anymore. And you can see it in the way they play. They're, they're not as understanding of where everybody's going to be on the floor all the time like we were because we ran the same plays every year for four years. And it was based on the type of pass that threw to the forward or the way you cut to the center. And based on what the guard did with the ball is what the play you were running. And you just – I just don't – you don't see that anymore with Kyle's offense, with with the one-and-dones and, and uh, the new teams every year. It's just – the whole atmosphere of college basketball has changed. And I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just definitely different. And I also think that affects the fans 
you got guys that are here and gone instead of guys that they can they can watch and listen and, and watch grow through the process for three or four years. And I uh I remember just kind of piggybacking his his comment real quick. I remember going to Florida um 2015 and we showed up for shoot around um in the swamp and we're on the bus. We're about to get off the bus and walk into the arena. And I don't know if you've been to Florida's arena, but it, it you kind of come into the arena from like this lower level area and you can kind of see up on the hill where the main entrance is into the uh to the arena for the students or for the for the you know fans. And we got there, shoot around's always like five hours, five and a half hours before tip-off. So we show up to do shoot around and we're sitting on the bus and the entire hill line looked like a scene from like Game of Thrones. The entire hill <laughs> line lined with blue and orange shirts. Everybody's got signs and people got their shirt off and their face painted and they're chanting and screaming and taking, they're all got their phones out showing video of the, of the bus as we pull up to go into the arena. And I'll never forget this. Cal stopped and he pointed up on the hill, like while we're sitting on the bus and he said, everybody take a look up there. And we all look up and, you know, everybody's going berserk. And he said, who do you think they're here to see? Are they here to see Florida play? Or are they here to see? And I'll never forget that because that was the first time I've been a fan of Kentucky my entire life. I dreamed of right. the day that I would get to step out there and, and you know, play ball at Rupp Arena. And quite frankly, I believed it would be in somebody else's uniform. And and I always thought that, you know, I always knew. But that was the moment of realization where I was like, man, they they are not here for them. They're here to see us. They're here to see this team. And that's kind of when it sunk in. And that's what we have here that we're we're very blessed and fortunate to get to enjoy. And when I say we have an unrealistic fan base, we, we're very biased. Um, <laughs> and it's what makes us both, uh, you know, phenomenal fan base to play in front of and extremely toxic when we're not living up to the standard that we believe we've set uh, as a program. So, Bo, we talked about the scrutiny, um, the one and dones, social media. Back <laughs> when you played, there wasn't the social media and the internet and all that. But that scrutiny has always been there. I think Joe B, Joe B had to deal with it. I mean, wasn't the internet and you could just type it on your laptop and all this. But that was, y'all had noise and clutter as Cal likes to talk about back when you played. No question, no question. you have a lot. Of, you have a lot of clutter. And, and not to get off the basketball subject, but I've always laughed because my, my two daughters played soccer. And it's like, I know the situations within a basketball team like Kentucky, whether it's my era or Todd's era, that that you got 15 guys that are very recognizable and known around town. Mm-hmm. And I know the issues that we had and, and that we had to deal with. And I can't imagine when you look at like a girls soccer team that's 40 girls or the football team. We were with the football team tonight with Cash and uh, what's the lady's name? Uh, slash. Slash. Uh-huh. Susan Lacks, the sports information director from football team. And yep. I was talking to her about, I don't know how you keep up with 100, you know, 80 football players. I mean, it's just, there's so much going on and so much with social media nowadays. And the whole mentality of a football team is I'm a bigger, better guy than you are. And you got to deal with that. And everybody's got cameras. I, it's, it's just amazing to me, the whole social interactive part how much has changed, not only from my era to Todd's era, but between different sports and the amount of people. I mean, these, again, these coaches are dealing with, their job is dealing with 18-year-old boys or girls. And in my case, it was 15 or 12 players. And then soccer is 30, and football is 80. So 
I don't know how they do it. And then you got to juggle each child, each kid, each each uh, uh, scholarship player or whatever, and you got to deal with their family and their parents and what their friends are telling them. And then, you know, blending the chemistry and, and creating, again, piecing the puzzles together to create a team that's everybody believes in each other. And it's, it's a, it's tough. And when you're under a microscope, it's even tougher. Mm-hmm. People aren't talking about podunk you. They're talking about Kentucky getting beat by South Carolina. And it's just, it's mag, everything's magnified. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt about it. So, what are some you play for Joe B? Some some of your recollections, some of your memories, or or, or stories from practice or games that that stand out when you know. I, I think overall, what stands out for me, uh, I I think our team uh, after the national championship team and a lot of a lot of pressures and the and the guys that came in, guys that stayed, and the guys that came in that were new. There was a lot of uh, local talent. You had uh, James Lee and and Jack Gibbons that had come from Bryan Station and Henry Clay, and then you had uh, my era with me was uh, Dirk from Lafayette, and you you just had a lot of local people that were re- really really good athletes. I was local, but I was sitting at the end of the bench most of the time cheering for them. Not that I didn't get you know a few few opportunities, but but those guys were just phenomenal, and that that was always neat for me in my era. To, to have those local guys, Kentucky guys that were that were playing, um, but also just- without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Just an unbelievable amount of, of sheer talent and athleticism. Uh, played with a guy, uh, rest his soul, Dwight Anderson from Dayton, that was a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he, he had been raised in a situation where he'd been on his own since he was you know, like 10 or 11 years old. And it's difficult, you know. He, he gets into UK, and you got to put the got to put the reins on him to, you know, meet curfews and do the things you got to do to be a successful program. And uh, just Dwight going into uh, uh, we used to play Notre Dame on national TV around Christmas time, and we played in Louisville. And in my era, we didn't play Louisville, and we would go up to Freedom Hall and practice, and it's it's full. And it was one of the funnest times I remember because of all the, the local fans, the Louisville, the Kentucky fans in Louisville. And that was supposed to be the neutral site, which I don't know how Digger Phelps, the coach, I don't know how he got roped into that one. But we <laughs> and really one of the games I was I was known for was uh, uh, Dwight had been kicked off the team after his sophomore year before that game. And Sam Bowie and Dirk Minifield had been suspended. And I got a chance to play in that game. And that was one of the, that's one of the things I remember personally. Uh, to get a chance to play on that game on national TV and Al McGuire and, and Dick Vitale doing the game. That was, that was really oh, interesting for me and fun. Man. But so, also got to see Barkley. I'm, I'm going through warmups in Rupp Arena and I look down there and I swear, I, I said, I can't believe Auburn's got somebody that fat playing basketball. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't know who he was. And oh, that's he, I, think, I think we beat him by 41. He had 38. He wore us out. Wow. That's when he got the name, you know, the round man, the rebound. And he comes in the next year, 60 pounds lighter. And to see people like him, and yeah, I, I actually I love listening to him. Yeah, 
in the NBA games. I think he can get away with saying things that most people can't. That's right. Everybody loves Charles, so he he was always fun to watch. And of course, I played. Uh, we played North Carolina in the first uh, Hall of Fame Classic in in the Springboro, Massachusetts, and that was uh, Kentucky, North Carolina. That was cool. Uh, didn't know George. He was a freshman that year. He, he didn't know he was going to turn into what he did, but but that was interesting. It was fun to to look back at that. Yeah, that's unbelievable. It is. According to BigBlueHistory.net, the John Scott site that's got all the data. Boas got you listed at 6'1", 175. It's got Todd, 6'2", 190. What, what about Todd's game reminded you of yourself? Or what were some of the things you saw when you saw yourself in Todd when he played? Well, you know, again, I had I, I had no shot clock and no, no three-pointer. Um, first of all, I think – Hang on. He, he, he's always said that if – there was a three-pointer when he played that he'd have to put his arm in a sling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, but no, it's funny. because And that's me. what I grew up hearing my entire <laughs> life. So I was a gunner because of that. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I told Todd's heard this story a bunch, but one of the games, Joe B pulled me up and said, you know, you're going in to handle the ball. Don't worry about shooting. And I said, yes, sir. And it took me seven seconds. <laughs> I let it fly. And I made it, so thank God. But uh, uh, it's – I forgot what the question was. Now we were talking about my, my game compared to yours. Well, oh, I, I don't know what I was going to say. For for us to be, first of all, for me to get a chance to go to UK was just mind blowing. And I, uh, again, I, I got I got a great opportunity uh, and thrilled to death to be there. And I think I got the most out of my talent. But it was a long shot to get that opportunity. I think it was even a longer shot for Todd, just for some things going on in, in his world at that time and where he ended up and how he was playing. And uh, when he went to Florida Gulf Coast and came back, quite frankly, I, I had a talk with Todd, and I said, "Look, I don't know where you're going to end up, but we got to we got to get some meat on your bones." Well, Hank, first thing he said, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is this was this stands out in my mind. One of like three statements that have been made to me in my life that stand out, and <laughs> I told him that I was uh, that I was going to leave. I was leaving Gulf Coast, so I went to. We can backtrack to this story, but basically I was leaving junior college after one year and I was supposed to be there for two. I'd signed for two years and I told him I was leaving early. And that made me at the time, the rules have changed now, but at the time it made me ineligible for the coming year. Right. And he said, do you understand that you're making a decision that might mean you never play basketball again? And I said, I won't let that happen. And he said, okay, then when you get back, we get to work. And then that's when, well, so he comes back, and he was probably 6'2", 174, somewhere around there. 174, yeah. And I said, okay, if you, I don't care what you eat, but eat as much as you can, and we're going to put some we're going to put some meat on you. And to Todd's credit, he worked his tail off. And, you know, we worked out, uh, you know, five days a week. Uh, by the time he got to UK, it, it set out that year. And what were you, about 190? 212. 212? About 212. And it was all – there was no no was, drugs was, no 15 15 months it was 32 pounds there was no steroids there was no nothing and you know you get to that age if you do the right thing that's one era flipping back to my era we were the first basketball team that lifted weights before then it was like taboo it throw your jump shot off well that's we had pat etchbury in our weight room and same same uh, weight coach as the football team had and we went at it and I mean, we lit, we went at it, and I learned a lot. I still work out five days a week, and that's just something that I learned. And so I, Todd was fortunate enough that when he got back and put the work in, 
that I knew the right things for him to do. And he, there's, he put on a lot of weight and got, got a lot of strong, a lot of strength uh, and started to understand the game a lot. And, but even at that, he, we never really, we dreamed, but we never thought he would end up at, at UK. And that particular year, um, Twani Beckham had hurt his back. Um, Nerlens was coming in and I, I, I was talking to the coaches and I said, I said, look, you know, Todd can shoot. He's going to make good grades. You know, we've all been here before. If you're going to give somebody a shot, give him a shot. And I, I'm not kidding. They called him and said, you know, we're going to, we may need somebody to come down here and work him out. And the best I've ever seen him play was the day UK worked him out. He flat, uh-huh. he, he really, he really looked great. Wow. And then, and then we didn't know anything for a while. And you go into the story about the phone call. Yeah. So, I mean, this I, is really, this was really cool. Long story short, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the synopsis version. Um, but I, I, they were, they, I mean, this is after the 2012 national title. So they've lost half the roster. Right. Uh, the workouts that Robes and Cal and, KP and Orlando and all those guys put everybody through requires at least four guards to do the workout. I mean, like legitimately you have to have like four guys and they didn't have four guys. They had three and they called me and asked me to come do the guard workout because they knew I was in town and I was training. And, uh, you know, my goal was, I was going to end up probably signing with, I think it would, I'd just come back from the visit at Western. Yeah. Um, so I was going to sign with Ray Harper at Western or that was, you know, what I was hoping and expecting to do. And I went and did this workout. And uh, like he said, I, 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 I try not to pat myself on the back, but I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's anybody on the planet that could have outplayed me that day. The good Lord was had his hand on my shoulder and everything was falling. I mean, everything was falling. And I handed Jesus Christ could not shoot as well as I, <laughs> I was. It was like the monsters. Like I stole that talent from somebody else that afternoon and I just lit it up and uh Robes was like, why don't you stick around? Let's get a workout in. And, you know, basically Cal had been watching from the office and they, you know, they said, look, you're probably not going to play ever. Um, but we need somebody that is capable of, um, you know, doing what we need in practice. And, um, you know, we're not even going to promise that you can, uh, that you can earn a roster spot. And, um, but we, we need a preferred walk on and uh, we'd be interested in in you coming here. And, I told dad I was going to take a couple of days to think about it because I was turning down, you know, scholarship. And, um, you know, dad was very stern with me from the beginning. He was like, look, if you got a scholarship and and you want to go to UK, I'd love nothing more than to have you at UK. Of course, we want to see you there. Um, but, you know, you're turning down a scholarship. So, uh, you know, take that as you will, you know, like and I thought about it for a couple of days and I was like, what am I doing? Uh, you know, I'm going to have a chance to potentially win a ring. I'm going to be the best yeah. basketball possibly be. And, you know, I'm going to have friends for life that, that, you know, I've, I've gone through all this, gone to war with, uh, at, at my dream school. And, um, you know, I called them up and said, you know, I'd love to be a part of this thing. If there's any way I can be involved, I'd love to have it. And, uh, I, I did, I worked my butt off and they, from day one, they, they handed me a jersey. And I'll never forget that moment. For me, it was very special because, like you said, I probably didn't belong there. Uh, the odds were against me. And um, I, for me, the, the peak of the mountain was walking into the locker room and seeing my name across the back of that jersey and Cal telling me, um, we want you to suit up for us tonight. And it was, the, you know, first, first game of that year. So um, for kids that might be listening, uh, dreams do come true. You know, shoot for the stars. 
uh, wish it had ended with a ring, uh, but um, I'll circle back to the beginning, which with your question here, what are, what, what mimics our games? He was a little salty and he couldn't have guarded me, but uh, <laughs> you know, I had him by 30 pounds so he can get the hell out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it true, Todd? You have more career starts than Devin Booker. Is, isn't that right? That is true. That is true. That's his claim to fame. We're not going to talk about how many it was. <laughs> I'm not. That's why I didn't put the number out there. <laughs> no, but, uh, I, I still give Devin hell for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a, an absolute blessing. But all jokes aside, uh, Dad was a, a scorer. I mean, he could create. Um, you know, from from the film I've watched on uh, on you know Polaroids. Yeah. Pol- uh, <laughs> film didn't even exist but uh no from what what i've seen from him and the stories that i've heard and um you know it's been very cool for me to be to develop friendships with guys like goose and sam Bowie and those guys that played with him and they all speak so highly of him and when he says he got the most out of his talent um you know we we were both limited in a lot of ways um you know we 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 didn't have the athleticism or the speed or the um we couldn't play above the rim um but you know dad was very talented at creating his own shot um, and taught me that skill. Uh, so to answer your question, I mimicked a lot of what I do off of uh, what he taught me growing up and he didn't ever take it easy on me. I mean, he, he, there was not one time he let me win. And the final, the time that I beat him, first time I beat him is the last time he laced up with me. He never beat me. And, <laughs> but, uh, but I mimicked a lot of it off of him and it's because I had to create ways to score a bit you know, are, are unconventional, at least for the way the game was played at the time. And uh, the game has changed a lot, obviously, over the last 30 years since he played in college. And it's changed a lot over the last 10 years since I played. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of adjustments and, and the game just is, is continually evolving and becoming more, you know, spaced out. Dad and I joke all the time about eventually they're going to have to change the size of the floor or raise the goal. Raise the goal. Um, These guys are getting, it's, you know, athleticism is unbelievable. I don't know what to do about a 10-foot goal. I mean, it's these guys are looking down in it. It's crazy. Almost one thing just about the guys I played with. He mentioned Sam Bowie, and he's, Sam's not around us a lot. He lives in Lexington, and I, I wish I wish we could get him back involved with the program some. But I want to say this about Sam. He, he Sam got a bum rap because of hurting his leg like he did. And of course, drafted him for Jordan, and then Jordan turned into who he was. So he's kind of gotten a bum rap. I'm, I'm telling you, that guy could play beyond. Uh, his capabilities are much more young than what anybody saw at UK. A lot like because that. back in that era, you go to the you're seven two, you go to the block, and if you take an eight foot jump shot, you're you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Because you know you don't have shot clock. I mean, you didn't have shot clock. You don't have three pointers, so it's mm-hmm. working all around until you can get him the ball on the block. But we would play in the summer. We actually didn't play at Rupp or Memorial Coliseum. We played at the old alumni gym. It'd be 110 degrees in there, and that's where we played to get to to just build up some heat and burn some calories. And Sam would bring the ball down the floor back in those days and take take jump shots that would be three-pointers. He played a lot more like Anthony Davis than anybody would ever know. Mm. But back in that era, I'm telling you, you take a jump shot from the free throw line, if you're 7-1, you're in trouble. And and so I, I wish I wish Sam had gotten an opportunity to play in an atmosphere uh, with shot clocks and three-pointers and played healthy. Because he'll tell you, and I, I'm sure you saw the 30 for 30, he wasn't healthy when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. That leg really caused him a lot of problems. I'll, I'll take it one step further, and then I'm going to toss it back to you all because we've talked for like 20 minutes straight. But, <laughs> uh, but to his point, you know, a lot of guys, especially particularly in college, 
And and especially in a program like Kentucky, you get forced into this box. And, you know, people use it as a, a, a targeted attack on Cal by saying he's holding them back. And he's, you know, come to make jokes of it. You know, in recent years, he's he's been like, you know, Carl, did I hold you back? Devin, did I hold you back? Like, he's made it funny, right? But when you're dealing with with five-star athletes that are McDonald's All-Americans and can score every level, um, you know, all three levels on the floor and all these things, like, you have to put them in a category in order for the team to be able to work off of each other, right? You have to create these building blocks in order for to make an offense and a defense work. Um, and Cal's phenomenal at that. That's why he's been so successful at, at I mean, literally CEOing basketball. Um, and, you know, that's part of what his legacy will will be. Um, but with that said, like, I play pickup ball with Daniel Orton three days a week. And if I asked you right now, can Daniel Orton shoot? What's your answer? I hadn't really seen it. Yeah. Right? You don't see it. Mm. He can bring the ball up the floor and pull up on anybody. But that's not his role as a as a college or professional athlete. That's not what he's been. There's everybody like everybody else on the roster can do that better than he can. But he's still a professional basketball player. He can right. still pull up and knock down a jump shot from anywhere on the floor, right? And we forget that as fans a lot. We love to sit back and say like, "What are you doing?" Like you're not playing your role. But these guys are five star athletes, and they're they're professionals, and they do this all the time. That Daniel Orton. Carltown, Sam Bowie, they've shot more threes than all of us in this room combined yeah. and would consistently hit at a higher percentage than we can. That's just not the box that they fit into in our in our mind's eye when we're watching the game. So to, to his point, I just want to kind of further that. But yeah. go ahead. Sorry we've stolen the show from you. No, it's here. I was going to go back. Bo, you talked about how much of a you know trend-setting thing it was for you guys to, you know, lift weights and pump iron and, and you were the first to do it. You said that you went right at it and still work out now and to this day. And, you know, you got Todd bulked up and that played a role in him, you know, being a preferred walk-on. Were there guys that were maybe a little more hesitant and apprehensive than you with this newfangled weightlifting, I mean, you embraced it, but where their guys were like, "Man, I ain't trying to do. That. I'm, I'm not doing that." You know? No, I, no, there really wasn't. Us as a, us as a team, we, our conditioning program was tough. Mm. We'd have to run over from a more cost end to the track, and we'd run 15 220s back to back under 30 seconds each, and there's a clock on, clock on everybody. It was difficult, and then we would have to do our, our, our lifting, and we, we did some stuff. We had one. They are called step ups, but you put the 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 bar on your back and step up on a on a metal bench that was bolted to the wall. And I'd get done doing those. It was twenty with each leg. I'd get done doing those, and I'd lay down there and thank God it's over. And then about ten minutes later, I'm already crying for having to do the next day. But it was tough. But all of us, once we got in there, it's like a, you know, it's a football program or anybody. You get in there, and everybody starts lifting. They start cheering for everybody else because they keep setting levels. And I think as 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 we got older and the freshmen would come in, then they're saying, you know, whether I'm a, you know, uh, I ended up with a full scholarship for the for the three years I was eligible, but they see me got one of the guys at the end of the bench doing my job, and so they would all do theirs. And there were there were walk-ons that never got a chance to dress. Uh, uh, George Hawker here in town is an attorney, and he 
he was known for being probably the strongest one on the team for his size. But then we also had Charlie Hurt that looked like Atlas. I mean, yeah. you know, there it was it was fun. Actually, it was a it was not only good for us physically. I don't think it hurts your shot. I think it's good to shoot afterwards to stretch yourself back out. But I think it's I think it helps you. But it helped us bonding, and uh, it just was good for the for a team atmosphere. And I think overall it was extremely successful. And I can tell you now, it helps me to this day. I still I'll still do it because it, it's my stress relief. Yeah. Awesome. That is amazing, man. Uh, appreciate you guys hopping on and, and sharing all this insight. Todd, you mentioned that you're, you're doing the radio show, still doing the pregame show for ESPN Radio Lexington, right? I am. Yes, sir. So Saturday, that means you'll be talking about the A&M game. And, and... That's right. That's right. We do. Uh, we come on. The pregame show starts one hour before tip-off, um, and then the postgame usually goes about 35 to 45 minutes after uh, the end of the game. It's on uh, 92.5 and 1300 AM um, in Lexington and obviously on the uh, ESPN app as well. Yeah, and it's on. It's at Lex Live across the street from Rupp. Yeah. You know, great development, a great atmosphere, a lot of things going on in there. So come on. Come on in there and listen to them. Yeah, it's a yeah. big one all of a sudden the way AM's playing. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, okay. not trying to tell you what to do, but man, you got to get Bo on there on the little pregame <laughs> show, man. At least one segment. I'm yeah. always in there. You all come on in. Yeah, to, to be fair, I kind of I, I, I joke with him, but I kind of overlook it because I've gotten spoiled with him being in there every day. And <laughs> he, he sits there and supports us. He's been on several times, but um, we're, we're kind of just used to him being there. And I talk to him, you know, through the commercials and everything. And then Sometimes we'll walk over to the game. We both got to go go to the game last night. Um, we actually didn't even go together. We both we both went with uh, separate friends of ours and sat across the arena from each other, which was a unique experience. But uh, <laughs> I will say this: I'll I'll I'll, I'll give uh, Rupp Arena credit. They oh yeah up last night. It was the loudest I've heard Rupp since I was there, and I'm not exaggerating. I couldn't I'm believe lost. it. I couldn't believe I, it last there, night. Oh yeah, I'm at every game I covered, so I'm there right. home and away. That was yeah, that was as good. That was definitely the best crowd of the year. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, maybe the Kansas game a couple of years ago when they were in town. That was electric. Yeah. The Tennessee game the year they were number one, but yeah. man, that was a, I couldn't believe it because we were talking up on press row on uh tuesday like man no one's gonna be at this georgia game you know they're gonna lose to south carolina and they showed out and it was it was a madhouse in there Sh yeah. shout out to them for real yeah, huge, huge credit to the fans man i'm telling you it's it's it is tough and i've, I've jokingly said this in the past especially on the pregame show um it sucks playing at 9 p.m on a tuesday I mean, <laughs> it it's sucks. Not, it it's does. not fun. It's been dark for four hours by the time. <laughs> All right. Like you get out, you get out. I just told you, you know, shoot arounds four and a half hours, five hours before tip off. We would get out of shoot around and it's dark. And I'm like, we got to go to dinner and then take a nap and then go to pregame and then go ride the bus over to Rupp Arena and then warm up and then hit the hot oh. tub, then go back out for warm ups and then start the game. It's not, I mean, it's late. And it's awful. Georgia, you know, especially with teams where, that are super successful and playing really well, it's hard to get excited for that. And, and I, I, you know, I hate to burst the bubble of the fan base, but, like, if we're playing against a team we're favored by 25 points and it's a 9 p.m. game on a Tuesday, it's not like it's hard to get yourself motivated a lot of times, right? Um, obviously, this team's in a little bit of a different situation. And as a fan base, 
when you have a four-hour gap between work and the tip-off of the ball game, especially in the dead of winter on a cold night, um, you know, it's hard to get up and get rowdy and get excited. And everybody showed yeah. up team last night, and that's what they needed, and they fed off of it. And I'm telling you, it was it, that's the first time I've had goosebumps in that arena since I got done playing. Yeah, it, it was it was out of nowhere. It was incredible. Last yeah, night. I couldn't believe it. And uh, yeah, I even took a nap before that game last night, man. I hate, <laughs> I hate the nine o'clock starts. So I was there till one in the morning. I was ready to go. You know, four out of the next five games. Yeah. Oh, games. I know. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, including in Nashville uh, next rinse, Tuesday. So. Rinse, yeah. and re- rinse and repeat from last night. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you still doing the F5 pod, too? Uh, so it, F5 is the uh, – F5 is actually our, our clothing brand uh, that we okay. do. It's Feel Good Project. It stands for Faith, Family, Friends, Fitness, and Fun. So the five okay. Fs. Um, but the podcast that you're referring to used to be called Seat 14 – it's okay. now called uh, Fully Unscripted, and my partner in that is Cash Daniel. We actually just recorded uh, just before coming on here. Cool. Um, love to have you both on for that as well. But um, we usually try to do that in person. So when you're when you're when you're around, we'll uh, we'll slide you on through. Okay. Oh yeah, no. Cash is one of my favorite guys to cover, so uh, he's he's always fun. He's a character, to say the least. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember. What was my favorite? Kind of, there's been a lot of good press conferences with Cash Daniel. Probably the Chick Fil A sandwich one's the best one, but <laughs> he's had some good ones, man. He's he's yeah. awesome. He is. He's an unbelievably kind soul that uh, you know a lot of people haven't gotten the chance to see, and I think that's kind of part of uh, what makes this this show fun for him to do uh, alongside me. Just you know, kind of show the other side of the athlete that that's not a that's not you know, presented in the athletic form. It's, it's a, it's a really cool, cool thing we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely love to be on there if I'm coming through Lexington, man. Absolutely. Can't thank y'all enough, Bo and Todd. So glad that got both of y'all together to be on our little podcast. Enjoyed it. And it's, it's been amazing. Can't, like I said, just can't thank y'all enough for taking time. Yeah. Yeah. We had a blast. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I, I shot us in the foot last week. I appreciate you. Oh, you're good. <laughs> it's our, last week was a much tougher week to break down anyway. That's the, true. Actually, it's probably a blessing in disguise. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have been nearly as uh, – uh, At least the vibes are a little better right now. <laughs> Fellas, we thank you all so much. Uh, Aaron, everybody check him out at the Cats Paws, the coverage for basketball, football content. We'll see what we got in store when the Aggies come to town Saturday. And for everybody here, Bo Lander, Ty Lander, and Gershaw, my name is Vinny Hardy. With another episode of Believe in Kentucky. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank Appreciate you it. Appreciate you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.